relational cadre is our effort to have deeper conversations about the things we're pondering in the summit throughout the year to really explore and to come up with shared language, shared experience, and some good questions for the summit. It has always seemed to me that play is a natural match for RCT because play is how children make meaning and in a lot of ways kids are able to be more authentic less inhibited than than we become as adults play to me seems like a method to let relational cultural theory seep into all the other areas of life well, we have a working definition of, of play that we spent some, some time we on. We do. I have it written down right here. Oh, well, we'll Would you like me to read it? Yeah, that'd okay. be fine. Uh, it's crossed out because I remembered to say it out loud, so <laughs> it's a little hard to say read, but I'm going to read it. Okay. Play in the context of RCT is a creative and natural process of transformative connection. Play includes engaging in activities out of curiosity and it helps us develop clarity about ourselves and others. I got hung up on it when we were talking about it at the cadre, at the last cadre, because I was worried about the pressure that this definition might put on play to be magical and transformative. And so then I think I veered into saying it doesn't have to be transformative, and if you're putting all this pressure on it to be transformative, then it stops being play. It's a paradox. It's a paradox. Play is the thing that allows us to experiment and do things with, with maybe lower risk, but you're still building those same skills. Like lower stakes authenticity. Lower stakes authenticity. One of the things that I shared in the cadre was that I've been reading the book The Fun Habit by Mike Rucker. He had been like a person who did the positive psychology stuff. You know, like, here's a list of things that you do to be uh, X much happier. And um, then a whole bunch of uh, fairly tragic things happened in his personal life. And he was using his list of things. He was meditating. He was being grateful. He was doing all of the happy things. And they weren't necessarily working. And he learned or came came to a place where his understanding was you can't always be happy which seems reasonable to me what you can do is accept that there will be times of grief and loss and anger and you can at the same time decide to do things that bring you joy that are fun that are play and so that creates movement in the face of hard things that is less pressurized than saying, here, do these things and you're going to be happy. So when I was in design school for the, the, the first time, this is now 20 years ago, um, yes. <laughs> but one of the, the lessons in there was about uh, Csikszentmihalyi. His thing was all about flow. And yeah. the flow chart is this, you know, uh, two axes and one arrow that's going up in between. And it's about your ability versus the challenge. And so if you have a lot of ability and the challenge is too low, then it's not much fun that, you know, mm -hmm. you get bored. Um, you're not in flow. 
if the challenge is too high and you don't have enough skill to do it, you also will, will tune out from it. So it's finding a sort of sweet spot where you're meeting challenges. And um, they talked about uh, being able to do this, at, um, and I, I think this was the term, and I think this is the pronunciation, but autotelic, which is basically finding ways to match the, uh, the challenge to the skill. Mm -hmm. um, so the example that was given was um, somebody in prison and having, you know, a long period of time where there are few rights, you don't be able to make much choices, but being able to find ways to find enjoyment in making their own challenges and to try to find that sense of flow. Um, and for me, that's what play is, is that when you really are in a good flow with play, it's the appropriate amount of challenge for the amount of skill that you want to put into it. Mm -hmm. So when you have games, for example, uh, when the rules are too difficult to get into, you're, that's going to be a barrier. Um, but even while you're playing, if, if they get in the way of you enjoying it or you doing the thing, then that uh, takes you out of play too. But you mm -hmm. can have very simple games that are a lot of register people in and more connection. Yeah, yeah. We already had one cadre session. We're going to have six more before the summit. Our summit is in uh, September uh, the 5th through the 8th. And we'll be doing these sessions on the Condre once a month. Uh, most of them are going to be hybrid. So we'll have, uh, like we did last time, mm -hmm. we'll have people in the office and some people online. So you know, we encourage people to, it's, it's a free event, um, but just to let us know you're, you're coming and then join us for those. And it's, it's low pressure. You don't have to come prepared or having done homework because we don't believe in homework. <laughs> We will send out resources, so there are things to, um, that might be a video or an essay or uh, something that would be relevant to what we're talking about just so you have a way to explore, um, and that could be before and or after the, the session, um, but it's, you, know, that you don't have to know it in, or even know anything about RCT uh, mm -hmm. in order to participate in these. On our first session was about world building. But we also had the, uh, the task of trying to introduce play just in general. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of our focus was, was on doing that uh, initially. Are there things beyond our definition that are important to share about play? A lot of the things that, uh, that get in our way, whether it's trauma or depression or anxiety or whatever it is, are enough below the surface that we don't really have words for them. Like if we had words for them, then we might just say it and then we'd feel better. Play engages those parts of you that deal with metaphor and symbol and so so you can address those underneath pieces more easily and again without high stakes because it's symbolic play. The RCT concepts that we had up on the board were acceptance from Amy Banks's care system, which you can find in the book Wired to Connect or on her webpage, and intellectual mattering. Intellectual mattering. Intellectual mattering, which Harriet Schwartz has done a lot of writing on, and you can find in her book Connected Teaching. I highly recommend both of those. But like play is one way that you can feel accepted, that you can communicate to someone else that you're accepting them, sort of the yes and aspect of it. It's also a way that you can demonstrate that you're listening and that somebody's thoughts matter to you, which also feeds into one of the core RCT ideas of mutuality. 
So when we had our session about a week ago, the way that it works is we have a prompt, which is generally what uh, Amy just gave, um, you know, just trying to get some ideas and get people thinking. And so these were some of the questions that we got. So one was, how do you utilize play to get through conflict and differences uh, with adults in particular? I think one of the ideas that came up as we chewed on that was play being lower stakes. So when you have sort of a stuck relationship, uh, you could engage in some playful interactions with the caveat that you don't want to sound as though you're being dismissive, but rather as play as a curious exploration of what we could create together. With the play and conflicted adult relationships, we also talked about creating room for trying on different ways of being together. My interest is mostly in games, all kinds of games, so not just board games. Uh, or card game, or not just RPGs, uh, role-playing games, which are mostly about storytelling. But it's also improv games, and it, you know, there's a lot of, of range in what that is. And conflict is either baked into the rules of these games, like the, the purpose is to fight or to battle or to you know, at least disagree as the thing that you are supposed to do. So there's goals involved with that. There's varying degrees of how well that is done within the, the rules. But if it's a spontaneous kind of thing, then the conflict is you know, what you bring to it. And your willingness not just to propose that, but to also accept that and play in that space with it. The people that are playing the games are still human beings and they're making decisions and they have relationships or a bad day or a good day that they'll bring to the table uh, around that. Or as we were talking about with flow before, if the game is too difficult to do or that there's not a way to see yourself in that space because you don't understand what's going on, then um, it's going to create conflict in other ways, including just an unwillingness to play or play within the intended rules. Play involves a lot of vulnerability. It, it can be low stakes, which allows for that vulnerability, but it's still, especially for adults who aren't used to it, it involves allowing yourself to be possibly wrong or for your play idea to go badly or to lose, you know, whatever you've got connected with it. Like those are all, you have to be open to all of those possibilities when you play. So being transparent about it and talking about it and having, you know, enthusiastic consent for play is really important. We live in a world where there's a lot of difference of opinion, radically so. Are there playful ways to uh, you know, align with others who don't share your worldview? So does, does play have a role in those kinds of engagements with others? I think one of the things that comes up for me when I think of that question is that what we're doing now doesn't seem to be working. No, no, it doesn't. And so uh, when you're doing something over and over that isn't working, then maybe trying something different could be helpful. And I think we've gotten... Uh, see, even I'm worried about, like, am I taking things seriously enough by suggesting play right now? I take social justice seriously and relationships seriously, and I think that the way we 
build all of those things is through joy and connection. It's still a mutual space that you have to share, uh, which means you have to be able to invite people into it. Um, they have to see themselves, all the things that we just talked about, plus more, um, in order for that to be useful. But the value of creating that playful space is that if you can bring people in there, that they are in a different frame of mind. Mm -hmm. That even the conflicts and stuff could be done in a way that lowers the stakes for everybody and allows you to, you know, maybe touch on things or explore different things than, than you would otherwise. There's a game called Disparity Trap, which was a pandemic Kickstarter. Um, it's got a mechanics that's sort of like life or monopoly in that you're following a little trail around there, just like old time uh, uh, board games. You're, you're basically assuming one of two roles. You're either um, a marginalized group or you are the dominant group, which means that um, the cards that you draw are going to have uh, advantages in how you roll the dice, in what you can do, and the mechanics themselves move those people through the game quicker and create more things that set the non-dominant group back. It isn't a game you win, um, because if you win by yourself, then that means everybody else is lost. Um, ah. And there's like four stages of this. So the, the, the goal that uh, the cooperative part of it um, which is still difficult to do, is to get everybody who's playing at least to housing, which is the end of the second stage. Oh, wow. Um, and if you do that, then everybody wins. Mm -hmm. And there's, you can still say who has the most of the points or the whatever you valued, but the game also ends if an individual gets all the way around to the end. And so wherever stage that people are in, then there's only one winner. Play is a way to calm the nervous system. Because if you if you actually can engage in play, then that's that's you telling yourself that you're safe that makes any of the harder conversations more productive down the line mm -hmm. i keep thinking of when we did geek camp and one of the things that turned out to be really crucial for the success of geek camp was our morning meetings a couple years in we implemented these um, improv games Usually they were sort of fast-moving improv games, you know, like the what What am I doing game or something that goes around in a circle. The, the days that, like, too many people were late or I was really tired or whatever and it didn't happen, you could tell because people were less inclined to work on projects together and more inclined to just sort of wander off and read a book or play on a computer if they could nab one. Yeah, I think there's something about, you know, having that uh, interaction is sort of setting the tone for the, the rest of the day. Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, it's a community. So if you come in late, I mean, this is the problem of, like, web forums and things for forever is that if you're there from the beginning, you know all of the the information, yeah. you know all the histories. But if you come in late, you're, you know, you're an outsider. And it's hard sometimes to feel included. Uh, when is play not appropriate? Uh, what, I think when it would feel invalidating or when it would risk uh, not really hearing the other person's feelings and experience. It goes back to the enthusiastic consent piece. Yeah, maybe the uh, one of the rules of our play is are we still having fun? And so I, I can think of times where you know, it's not game-related, but... Uh, 
you know, we're joking around and uh, mm. suddenly somebody, you know, backs out of it uh, yeah. really quickly because they don't like how it's going. And, you know, being able to sense that or being able to, have, to communicate that, I don't want to do this anymore um, and understand why. I mean, those are those are forms of play, too. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's it's not enough to just say, well, I was just joking. Um, you know, if if the person you know felt some pain there, then that's the thing that needs to be addressed. Yeah. That happens a lot, and that's a good reminder. Like asking, is this, is this still fun? How do you hold space for play in a world that doesn't always prioritize it? Oh, are they, I mean, to me, it feels a lot like relationships and connection. You know, we have a world that, that doesn't prioritize relationships either, or that thinks they're like magical and just exist without tending or work. I think we should have the same kind of, oh, yeah, I get that reaction when someone says, I have to go play a board game, as we do when they say, I have to go to the gym. Like, it's just, we we understand how important it is for mental health and for learning um, actual play, not like, here's a really boring game where I made it facts about dinosaurs, but like actual play is essential. And I don't, I don't know, like, when I hear that question, I, sometimes I get just really sad and I think, well, we, we have to make people play, but also I know that you can't make people do anything. So maybe, maybe it's modeling. Modeling and, and invitation. So that's play. That's our theme for the entire year from all through the monthly cadre sessions to the summit that we'll mm -hmm. have at the end, which will reflect a lot of the themes that we'll be discussing so our next one is going to be on February 25th at 1 Eastern, um, and it's going to be uh, Imagining Together. Yeah. Um, so uh, we'll. Uh, this first one was about world building, and we'll talk about that uh, uh, coming up. Cool beans. <laughs> This conversation between Kevin McKees and Amy McKees, LCSW, took place on February 4th, 2024 in Bloomington, Indiana, and was edited for this podcast by Kevin McKees. Theme music lovingly sampled from Positive Thinking and Serpentine by Vlad Gushenko. Follow Bloomington Center for Connection on Facebook and other social media platforms. Mm -hmm.